1: with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country black buffalo tobacco alternative bold flavor full pouches what's up everybody john middlecobb three and out podcast back at it again uh big show coming up i'll I'll dive in there's still like eight minutes left in this thursday night game and holy hell it's atrocious I mean, I, I flipped over to TNT to watch the NBA game. It's 30-9. to Derrick Henry has 7,000 yards and eight, 18 million touchdowns. So uh, his breakout game. And I'll, I'll dive into one thing that really jumped out to me in this game. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, pretty fascinating. Should he play football? Should he play baseball? Some thoughts on that and what, why I think he should win the Heisman. The Rams headed to Chicago, jump around, some different games, and then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag. But I'm going to start with this game. And, you know, you don't always have to be first to something. I mean, one thing in the NFL, one trend now, is to spend a lot of money when you have a rookie quarterback. And that's going to be something that happens, you know, on and on in the very near future with all these teams that have drafted quarterbacks the last several years. But one thing in the NFL is key. If you are going to draft a running back high, and I'm anti-draft a running back high guy, he better be able to do everything. And when I say everything, he better be able to catch the football. He better play a huge role in catching the football. Zeke Elliott uh, can catch the football. Now, he is an inside-the-tackles runner, but he can do it all. He's really an elite pass blocker. I mean, he's the total package. Christian McCaffrey who I actually hated the pick in the first round because I thought he was more of a glorified slot receiver. Well, one thing's clear. Even if he had to just be a slot receiver, he'd be damn good at it. (laughs) Like Christian McCaffrey, elite receiver. He just happens to be also a pretty good running back who's just an elite player. You cannot, I repeat, cannot draft dinosaurs. And in the NFL, dinosaurs would be two down middle linebackers would be run-stuffing defensive tackles. I'm talking with high picks. And a running back that looks like Leonard Fournette. I saw a guy tonight that looks fat, slow, and just not dynamic. And he kind of summarizes what the Jaguars' problems are right now. He doesn't play fast. He doesn't play with any urgency. And clearly, they can't control him. I mean, two weeks ago, he attacked the Bills when he wasn't even on the field. He represents... Uh, somewhat like what Blake Bortles in the sense of overpaid, uh, more hype and more of a name than actual achievement. And you, you watch him last night and you just see a plodding dinosaur and the same could be said granted for Derrick Henry, the majority of his career, this is the best game he's ever had. And you know, I, I tweeted during the game that was either the greatest run ever or the most gutless defensive effort ever. And it might be a combination of the two. But one thing I do know is there that draft two years ago, when Leonard Fournette went four and Christian McCaffrey went eight, I, I I'm not in the drafting running backs high business. And I thought the Christian I, I'm not playing hindsight as 2020 because I did not like the Christian McCaffrey pick. I've been proven wrong. And I thought he was going to be an elite receiver. He's just been a much better runner between the tackles. I just know that there's not a general manager in the NFL. And that includes Tom Coughlin that would take Leonard fournette over Christian McCaffrey moving forward because I'm watching Leonard fournette and I just think that doesn't play in the in the NFL it's like watching a plotting center in, in basketball you're like yeah that just that doesn't work <laughs> that 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 feels like five years ago and Leonard fournette feels like the type of player that would have played in the 80s the 90s and 10 years ago but he's got no shot today. Uh, and he, he looks like a guy that clearly doesn't take his conditioning that seriously, that doesn't play that hard. Uh, you watch a guy, and you go, you drafted that in the top five? Like, that's a problem. It's one thing to take a running back really high. He just better be the total package. Because even if Todd Gurley or Christian McCaffrey or even Zeke are not running the ball well, they can do other things. Like they pull Leonard Fournette off the field and throw it to T.J. Yeldon, he's not even a quote unquote two down back. I mean, clearly you wouldn't want to throw it to him. He's slower than molasses. I mean, he looks out of out of shape and fat. He he looks like a Trent Richardson. You know, seriously, that he looks like a taller Trent Richardson. And I'm not trying to overreact on one bad game and he's been injured, but that that that's a terrible draft pick right now. And they had. They were drafting in the top five for a reason. They had consistently sucked, and then they just they popped last year. Well, now they're back to what the Jaguars always are, terrible. I mean, they are consistently bad. And I know we got stiffy Tom Coughlin up there in the box taking notes, but I say it all the time, man. General managers don't dictate stuff in the NFL like they do in basketball and baseball. Uh, now, Tom's a little different because I'm sure he knows a lot of the playbook and, like, understands the lingo. But there's still only so much he can do. He's not calling the plays during the game. He Once the game starts, it's all out of his control. So, he can be angry. And he can go to meetings. And he can keep everyone on Coughlin time. None of that shit matters if, if you're not the coach. And cl- this team has quit on Doug Marone. I mean, some of those runs by Derrick Henry. This team tapped out. And definitely some of the runs by Leonard Fournette. Show the the urgency and level of give a damn right now in that Jaguars building, and I I saw Joe Banner, you know, former Eagles executive. I, I worked with him when I was in Philly. Tweeted out like, "Why is Tom Coughlin not getting more heat?" Well, I got news for you, Joe. There's 25 people in America that are Jags fans. I mean, if this was the Giants, if this was the 49ers, if this was a big boy brand, they would get destroyed. You know, but no one cares about the Jaguars. They play in probably the the least, you know, media-powerful uh, division in the NFL in the NFC or the AFC South. I mean, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Titans, you know, and the Houston Texans. Now, Houston and Indy, you know, are technically Houston's a big market, but, you know, they're, they're not even the biggest team in their own state, so that skews that one a little bit. I just don't think most people care about the AFC South especially the Jaguars. So they, they drafted a dinosaur in Leonard Fournette, and this team just stinks. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into a hot topic right now. I, I've been seeing this a lot. Now, I live somewhat in the epicenter of part of this topic because the Oakland A's drafted Kyler Murray ninth overall. Ninth overall, uh, which was a really big deal. You know, I think he was projected by Baseball America to be a fringe first-rounder, but I don't think any credible publication uh, thought he was going to go that high. I mean, he had clearly been talked about as a guy that was going to get drafted in baseball. He played for the University of Oklahoma uh, last spring. Or I guess, excuse me, this spring. And did well. I mean, really well. I mean, he's a big-time player. Uh, and was viewed because of his physical attributes, his speed, his defense. He could hit a little bit. Hit it slightly under 300. I think had 11 bombs. He was going to get drafted. And he went ninth overall, and it was a big deal. Scott Boris represents him, Billy Bean, press conference, Oakland A's. Then he went back to Oklahoma, and I thought, just based on the guys, all the guys they had coming back on offense, Hollywood Brown, uh, Lamb, the the running backs. I mean, they always produce good running backs. I don't care who they graduate. They're always going to produce dudes, and they also always produce offensive linemen, and they have Lincoln Riley. So if you just watched his spring highlights, you went – You know, this guy has a chance to be a Heisman candidate. Now, he has been infinitely better than I think even Lincoln Riley thought he'd be. He's been fantastic. But there's two elements of this conversation. One, I want to kind of crush a narrative about baseball being more lucrative than football. And then I'll just say why I think, who I should think should win the Heisman. Hint, hint, Kyler. Start with football. There's this NFL players don't make anything. They're so underpaid. Well, could be argued for a lot of positions. You know, they they might not get what maybe quote unquote they deserve. One position that is always will be and continues to be well compensated is quarterback. And if you are drafted for and I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, Lamar Jackson, I think Kyler Murray is a better prospect than Lamar Jackson. He is a much better college player. Now, his big knock is height, but if he measured in at 5'10.5", I think, and he wanted to play football, he would be a lock to go in the first round. Just the way the game's changing, the way owners think. I mean, to me, he'd just go in the first round. I'm not saying he's a lock to be a great NFL player, but his physical tools, he's a better pure prospect to me, and not really that close. But again, I didn't like Lamar Jackson than Lamar. So if you just look at it that way, Lamar Jackson drafted 32nd, got over 7 million. Kyler Murray in baseball was drafted 9th and got over $5 million. So it shows you quarterbacks get paid. Here's the other, I mean, we know Aaron Rodgers, but even Derek Carr, who got, you know, makes $25 million. Forbes tweeted out like two weeks ago that he netted forty-one million dollars in the last fiscal year. So if you play quarterback, and especially you get a second contract as a starter, you make more like Bryce Harper's about to get 300 million over 10 years. That's $30 million. So again, that's if you become an all time great major league baseball player, you get paid. Here's the other thing in baseball. You have to go to the minor leagues. So you start riding buses immediately. And most players, I would say the fastest you get to the big leagues is like two years. It usually takes a lot of players three or four years. Then, you are six years away from becoming a free agent. And you are three years away from arbitration. So, assuming you can stay in the big leagues for a couple years, which anyone that follows sports knows, it's very difficult to hit a ball. You know? It's one thing to hit a fastball. And any former baseball player will tell you, everyone can hit the fastball. Can you hit the breaking pitches? And a lot of good players can't. So, I looked up a stat. 10% of people in the minor leagues make it to the show. Now, that is a little different, I would imagine, if we did a study of just first-round players, what percentage make it to Major League Baseball. But the percentage, and this isn't even arguable, of people that stick in baseball is slim the none. And the people that get paid in baseball, that means you have to play, typically, six years at a pretty high level, or at least a couple of those six, in the big leagues. Where in football, Derek Carr is in year five. He's in year five. And he's already working on year two of his extension. So you become a free... Again, I'm talking quarterbacks. The, the The decision is easy if you played running back, if you played defensive back. I would take the risk on baseball. But Kyler Murray is a quarterback and a fantastic quarterback and a quarterback, like I said, that would surely be drafted, I think, in the top 20. Beside Dwayne Haskins, I think he'd be in the mix for the second quarterback off the board. So you're talking about a guy that would go in the top 20... I got news for you. First-rounders in the, in the NFL, their contract's guaranteed. The first four years are guaranteed. Then you got a fifth-year option. And here's the other thing. There is no minor leagues in football, at least not yet. The AAF is coming around the corner. But if you're a first-round pick, you play in the big leagues, the NFL, on Sundays from day one. And if you're a first-round quarterback, you're not guaranteed to start game one. But in 2018, you're guaranteed to play as a rookie guaranteed name me the last first round quarterback that did not play as a rookie. I'll, I'll hang up and listen because it's going to take you a minute again. That that used to be the way I think Carson Palmer was kind of that last generation of, you know, John Kitten is going to get a year. I actually watched his football life the other day. Carson needed a year. Most quarterbacks these days don't, especially with so many quarterbacks, like teams run concepts that Kyler Murray runs in college. You can just steal Oklahoma's playbook and have no shame. And it works. Here's the other big difference I see in Kyler Murray than I do, let's say, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, what he does is not sustainable. It is 1,000% not sustainable. He almost, I mean, allegedly didn't get a concussion last game. He got knocked out and had to go to the concussion protocol. Then he came back. He doesn't slide. Like, watch Kyler Murray play. He slides. He gives himself up. And he is a more electric runner. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Lamar as a runner. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Kyler's elite too, might even be a tad bit more explosive. And I'm watching him thinking, well, he throws the ball better than Lamar. He's more accurate than Lamar. The knock on him is height. Well, the one thing, we have an outlier right now that's a little like Kyler in Russell Wilson. Now, Kyler has a long way to go. And I know Scott Boris said today in one of the local papers here in the Bay Area that he's going to play baseball. And I, I think if Kyler committed to football and said, I want to play quarterback, not only would he get drafted in the first round, he'd have a chance to succeed. So this notion that football players don't make any money is just false. Quarterbacks make a ton. If you're a, and here's the other thing. You play immediately when you're young. So he could make money. He could play from day one. And he, he just the things he has to work on are subtle. Like, he would get to play and practice right away in the show. You are with all the, you know, I'm just using a hypothetical here, like, the Giants drafted him. You playing with Odo Beckham and Saquon Barkley, day one. Like, if you're, the A's are a playoff team. Kyler, enjoy rookie ball in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's just the way it works. Even if you're Bryce Harper, you go to the, to minor, the minor leagues. So, this notion that, like, Jeff Samarja made the right choice. Yeah, Jeff Samarja wasn't a quarterback. And here's the other thing, when I, when I keep getting these baseball comparisons, Jeff Samarja, he stinks now, and it's, I mean, one of the worst signings in baseball, he was pretty good several years ago, he was an all-star, you know, like, he was really good, so this notion that, like, you just get paid if you're in baseball, yeah, if you're good, and you have to stick around in the big leagues for a long time to eventually get that contract, the way service time and everything in their CBA is set up, that's not the case with football. You make it day one, and your clock starts. Your clock doesn't start in, in baseball. Now, again, I uh, selfishly, uh, as a baseball lover, I think that sport needs Kyler Murray more than football. But damn, he, he would be really fun in the NFL. And I think he would succeed. And I think he'd get drafted really high. You know, I think more than ever, his skills translate to what people are looking for on Sundays. The other big question If you're listening to this before Saturday night, the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I I think we overreact a little bit to one game. Tua was hurt, and then he got hurt again in the SEC championship game, and it was bad. I mean, he looked looked awful. It's the worst game clearly he's ever played in college. Now, the sample size is small. But he was off, and he was injured. I, I don't think it's fair just to say his whole season sucked. Like, Tua was fantastic. Literally, threw 37 touchdowns and four picks. It was 67%, and it was awesome. But here's why I'd give the, the uh, Heisman Trophy to Kyler. There, it's pretty close. When you look at sixty-seven, Kyler was, was 70% completion percentage. Tua threw 37 touchdowns, Kyler threw 40. To me, you watch them pass, both of them elite passers, and both of them benefit. Tua's got two sophomores that are lock NFL first-rounders. Kyler might, too, in, in Hollywood and in Lamb. I mean, both of them are dealing with just elite wide receivers and elite offensive line. To me, the difference is the legs. And while in the NFL, I don't care if you run around, hell, I don't want you to run around, in college and for the Heisman, it matters. Like, one point of difference for Kyler is when you watch him, you go, Jesus, he looks like Michael Vick Jr. Because he does. And he is just, he is such a threat with his legs. It's just stupid. I mean, it's he's one of the most incredible runners for a passer we've ever seen in college. He had almost 900 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground. And to me, the major difference between him and Tua, like Alabama's probably running the table with Jalen Hurts. Hell, they were really only in one game, and Jalen Hurts is a big reason they won it. So, to me, to me, Oklahoma, their margin for error, uh, because of how crappy, I, I mean, eye-openingly bad their defense is, that how great Kyler had to be on offense, they had no room for error. If they wouldn't have had a Heisman Trophy level player playing quarterback, they would have been nine and three. The the margin for error for them to be eleven and one and get to that Big Twelve championship or be nine and three and basically just Texas was Kyler Murray. And last year, to me, their team was better. It was just a little more complete. This year, their defense is just is just worse. I, I mean, it it is. It's wild how poor their DBs look coached when you watch them every week. Like, they're just lost. They don't know where to go. They're always five feet behind the receiver. They're always playing catch-up. They're just never in position. And the Texas game, they got some stops. But I've watched them countless times. Games against West Virginia. Games during the year where they did not score every single possession they would lose. So, to me, that's the biggest difference. I I think both of them are deserving candidates. I think this is the closest race we've easily had in years. And I think Tua is fantastic. And I'm not going to overreact to one game when he's got a banged-up knee and then he rolls his ankle early in the game. And he was just off. Like, I'm sorry, you get off games. But Kyler has been so spectacular. I mean, just so so Michael Vickian. I mean, that's what I – because Lamar won it several years ago. I guess it was two years ago now, and I think, again, I think Kyler's had a better season. I I think, I watched Lamar, I watched Kyler, Kyler's a better player. Now, Tua is as awesome as we've seen. The difference to me at the end of the day is Alabama's defense just dominates most opponents. So, and he's getting yanked in the third quarter, Steph Curry style, in the 73-win team. He doesn't have to play the fourth. A big reason is that is because usually the other team has no points. Kyler, when they're going into the fourth quarter, it feels like every game is 45 to 40. And if they don't keep scoring, they're going to lose. So, again, I, I am not taking anything away from Tua. And, and I think some of the negativity on social media, like the the Heisman's over, Tua's out, like is is crazy. Like, Tua deserves more. He was, he was awesome. He's easily the best quarterback that program's ever had, and it's on the greatest dynasty we've ever seen. But I watched Baker Mayfield go number one last year. I watched Baker Mayfield win the Heisman last year, and he was awesome. I mean, it felt like he was the like the Drew Brees of college football last year. And I think Kyler's been better. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a better NFL player. Hell, he might not even go to the NFL. kind of doesn't feel like that. But I, I, I think Kyler Murray deserves the the Heisman. Uh, and it's just he he's had one of the more spectacular seasons. I just mean... Wow. Because even Tebow, like, again, their team was so good. He threw it funny. Now, he was an awesome runner, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Tebow. But I'm trying to think of, like, the last 10 years. Kyler is, maybe since Reggie Bush, of just every time he takes off on a run, it's must watch. And for the most part, it leaves your jaw on the floor because of just his explosive speed, his ability to make guys miss. And again, they could not win without him carrying them on their backs. This game of the weekend—I mean, by far—this game got flexed several weeks ago. Is the LA Rams going to Chicago? And right when I saw it, when I'm getting ready for the show, I'm like, "Damn, I I can do a topic on why the Rams have to prove their worthiness in the you know—in the tough elements outside." So I, I went to weather.com. Actually, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work on my on my computer. So I went to my phone, like a millennial. Actually, not really like a millennial. If anywhere you go, all ages are on their phone. Why wouldn't you be? It's basically like having a computer in your hand. But so I check weather.com and I go to Chicago and I look Sunday and the highs, you know, 34 and the lows 22 and you go, damn, you know, I don't know if it's gonna snow or not, but that's cold as shit. Uh, Jared Goff from the Bay Area, where it gets a little chilly, but not that. And the LA Rams, who practice in paradise, how are they going to go on the road and win? And I start thinking, it just doesn't matter. Uh, With the Saints losing, the Rams, I wouldn't say they have the number one seed by any means locked up. But if we assume the Saints lose one more game, the Rams probably have a little wiggle room. Like to me, 14-2, I'd say 95% of the time guarantees you the number one seed. You know, 13-3 is an incredible season. And the Rams are poised. They still play the 49ers. Uh, They're in good position. So they go to this, you know, Chicago. And while big picture, it's always good for Jared Goff to get these reps, any quarterback, especially California guys, to play and get used to just winning in inclement weather. Like Brady's a California guy, but he was – He was raised as a football player in Ann Arbor and then has played in New England his whole career. He's just used to it. Like, let's call it what it is. Peyton Manning was, it sure never felt like it. I know some stats have, I quote unquote, disproved this theory, but he never felt comfortable in the cold. Uh, But here's the thing this year with the Rams, now, big picture in years to come, you know, they may be a wild card and Jared Goff has to go on the road and, you know, to Philly or to New York, uh, you know, or to Seattle in the rain or whatever. But this year, they will not have to play outside. You know, outside in terms of in inclement weather. Like, yeah, they have to play outside of the Coliseum, but so what, it's 70 degrees in the middle of January? Maybe 68? a little chilly? You bring a windbreaker? <laughs> you know, worst case, they lose a couple games and get the 2 seed. They have to go on the road indoors to New Orleans. Now, the the, the crowd noise... You know, and playing, uh, you know, away games should help the team come together. Regardless, the Bears are a playoff team. It's a big time game, but the the weather element to this game, which at first kind of fascinated me, like how's Jared Goff going to react, ultimately doesn't impact the playoffs because the Rams are not going to have to play in any weather. They're either going to be playing. Obviously, they're going to get a first round bye and play that first game in Los Angeles, and then the second game. They'd either host it if they weren't the one seed, you know, if they were the two seed, or they'd go to New Orleans. Like, so they're not going to play in any cold weather. And the one time that I vividly remember Goff playing in cold weather, it was a crazy rainstorm in Oregon, and he got pulled out of the game, I think, in the third quarter. He couldn't grip the ball. So if they, if there was a way that, like, God, you know, the Rams may have to go on the road to Chicago. You know, or Philly somehow sneaks in the playoffs. Like, that would be really hard. They're, that's not in their in the cards this year. So, to me, the biggest element of this game is just to watch the matchup and, you know, how I'm really excited for this game. It should be. I mean, it's one of the better games on paper of the year. It looks like Ms. Trubisky is going to come back. But the thing that's most fascinating is like, oh, how's Jared Goff and these guys are going to play in inclement weather? It really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't. And I wish it did. Uh, but they're just not going to have to play in any situation where there's going to be snow, where there's going to be cold. The craziest environment they would have to play in, while it would be nuts, and they've already played there in New Orleans, is indoors. So the weather doesn't affect their offense at all. The noise does, but the weather doesn't. And that, that to me, is the big difference in the AFC. Like, uh, And typically in the NFC, when Philly or New York makes it, you know, or Green Bay, you, now that Chicago's going to make it, like that impacts it. And we're a little spoiled out here, like on the West Coast and the Bay Area, like it rains for two days. We freak. In LA, it never rains. I mean, they, they have a drought going on that it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. Where if you look at the AFC playoff picture, Kansas City, New England, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, uh, th- those places are freezing cold and miserable weather. Houston indoors, but. You know the two number, the one and two seed in some order, Chiefs and the Patriots, they play outside, and the weather turns in January in the NFC. That's not going to be a factor. Dallas is going to host a game if they win the NFC East. That's indoors. Chicago will host a game, obviously that's outdoors. But even if they win it, they're only going to get one home game. New Orleans indoors and LA is beautiful weather. So the, the the difference in the NFC and the AFC, a huge factor is in one conference you got to go through weather, and in the other conference. It's either sunny or a dome. Okay, let's uh, spend a little time, because there's no college games this week, going going around the league on Sunday. And I just, I'll, I'll pull up the game page and just go game by game. Just the first thing that jumps out to me. Jets, Bills, terrible. Uh, it does look like Sam Darnold is going to come back. Josh Allen, you got to give him credit. His passing numbers are not great, but he is a big-time athlete. He can make these just incredible splash plays, and we knew that from his uh, from Wyoming. But say one thing for Sean McDermott. In a league where no one really plays defense and no one is able to play good defense, I mean, this team overachieves. They are a physical unit. If they could ever get some offense going, to me the Bills have an easier chance to get good next year if they add some pieces to offense just because their defense is already good. But other than that, I don't know why you'd uh, watch the game if you weren't betting. Panthers-Browns, uh, there was buzz last week that David Tepper is thinking about fire Ron, firing Ron Rivera and just completely changing up the organization. I don't know how after this week you wouldn't think that that's a possibility. Ron Rivera fired a bunch of coaches on, on Monday morning. Usually that's when a coach is feeling the pressure. Uh, brand new owner, you know, he paid cash for the team. Uh, he, he's not your normal cat, man. This is a dude that made a ton of money in hedge funds. He's going to want results. He's going to want answers for everything Uh, quantitatively. Like, you better be able to show him stuff analytically. And I think Ron Rivera and the Panthers just have always been more of a gut, old-school reaction. That's not the way this new money guy is going to roll. Uh, They're playing the Browns in Cleveland. I I know the constant prop-up fest of Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield – Sure got the brakes pumped on them after last week in Baker Mayfield. I think he had three picks in the first half. Uh, just listen, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitt, these guys are going to get fired. It's uh, the, it, it's hard to judge the Cleveland Browns down the stretch just because none of these coaches are going to be back. Falcons, Packers, I guess it'll be interesting. First game Aaron Rodgers ever played in his career without Mike McCarthy. Uh, to me, the thing I'm going to keep an eye on on, on this game because the Falcons season is over. Obviously, the Packers is too, but does Rodgers play differently in this game? Because some people have been saying, like, is he all of a sudden going to, like, let loose and look like he's freed? Or is he just going to keep playing poorly for his standards and is the team going to keep losing? Uh, Now there's not much pressure in terms of win or losing this game with McCarthy being gone. Uh, It's just going to – this is all about Aaron Rodgers. How does he look? Does he look any different or is it just the same? I, I would expect it to be pretty similar. Probably the most intriguing game but beside the night game. Ravens Chiefs. Uh, the Ravens have won three straight games or seven and five right now. If the season ended they'd be in the playoffs. Chiefs are you know obviously 10 and two at the number one seed in the AFC, but everything that happened last week, cutting Kareem Hunt, that's a big deal. Uh, the weather, you know, it's gonna start getting cold in Kansas City. This is a game where you'd like to have Kareem Hunt, you know, to hand him the ball 20 plus times to run some screens. I'm fascinated to see how this team comes down the home stretch. They have back-to-back home games against the Ravens, and then they got the Chargers on uh, on Thursday night. They're going to go through a four-day, four-day stretch here with the Ravens and the Chargers that if they win both, like you're looking at the one seed, well, all of a sudden, they could lose a couple games, and you'd be like, damn, are the Chiefs even going to win the division? We're going to find out a lot about the the post-Kareem Hunt Chiefs in from Sunday to Thursday. They play twice. Their offense, I mean, they just lit up the Raiders like a Christmas tree, but that's not saying much. Can they maintain this offense without, let's call it what it is, a star running back? He had seven touchdowns on the ground, seven in the air. A lot of them were on screen passes. Kareem Hunt was important. Not Mahomes important, not Hill important. Hell, not even Kelsey important, but he was damn important. Patriot Dolphins, God, I mean, the Patriots, I, I love Belichick. I love Brady. They're the greatest dynasty of my life, and that includes the 49ers in the 80s and 90s, but their division is a joke. The Patriots should kill the Dolphins, even though I, I know historically they've struggled a little bit in Miami. They lost to them last year, remember, on Monday Night Football. I don't think that'll be an issue. Saints-Bucks. The Bucks are a sleeper, crappy team because their quarterback can really make plays in the air, and they can score points. Uh, they, they feel like they're a two-win team, but they are 5-7. and seven. Now, they have won a couple of straight, you know, they've won the last two games, my my iPad there, and, uh, you know, they started 2-0, so it's a little skewed because their their highs have been high, but their lows have been really low. Uh, I, I'd expect the Saints, who lost to them week one, which is really one of the weirder games looking back uh, so far the first three months of the season. This is probably a bloodbath. Saints get revenge. Giants, Redskins, what a terrible game. I I, I really don't have any takes on this thing. Mark Sanchez, Eli Manning. I, I think in all seriousness, and we screw around a little bit on this. Actually, there's no we. It's just me. Uh, but Alex Smith, I mean, the news of him potentially losing his leg, that his career's over, just sounds just awful. I, I mean, it makes you – it makes you feel almost queasy when you read about something like that. Like, I I don't care how much money this guy's made or how much fame or whatever. When you talk about potentially losing a foot or a leg because of the infections, that's just awful. No human deserves that, especially Alex, who is anyone that's coached with him, played with him. You talk to people that have been around him. I mean, he's one of the higher-level guys, higher-character guys in the NFL. Just an awful story, and I mean, there's thoughts and prayer none of that means anything but you just you just hope he you know even if his career's over you just hope the guy's able to keep his legs i mean he's got young kids he's got a young family just just absolutely awful colts texans this is a pretty big game uh the texans you, you can't take anything away from them they're the hottest team in the NFL with the saints losing last week to dallas they've won nine straight games they're 9 and 3 and really they have a quarterback a sweet wide receiver and a couple sweet defensive players, but I, I and their coach is solid. Do I view them like a thirteen and three team? Not really, but they beat the Colts at home, which they're a five point favorite. They'd be ten and three, and three games away from being thirteen and three. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. The Texans actually are not like we just talked about the Chiefs and kind of their tough schedule for these next couple weeks. And even after the Thursday game, then they go to Seattle in three weeks. So the Chiefs have a tough road to hope. The Texans are still very much alive for a home field buy. Uh, the Colts' playoff hopes took a little bit of a hit last week, losing 6 to nothing to Jaguar, uh, Jacksonville. But this is a good game. This actually, you know, I, I said that the the Chiefs-Raven game might be the best game of the morning. i, I put this right up there. This is good. I, I, I'm actually excited to watch this. Bengals Chargers, uh, the Bengals are done. Marvin Lewis is done. Hugh Jackson will be the next head coach uh, of the Bengals. As crazy as that sounds, I, I will be shocked if Hugh Jackson's not the next coach of the Bengals just because their owner's are an idiot. Uh, and the Chargers should absolutely roll since And you know, getting to get ready for one of the biggest Thursday night games we've had in recent memory. 49ers Broncos, terrible. Broncos should kill them. Eagles Cowboys, Oh, this is a pretty big game. I I didn't realize Eagles-Cowboys were playing. I don't know who these two teams were playing, but this is easily the best game of the afternoon, mainly because the afternoon slate's awful. Uh, but the Cowboys, I mean, they can win this division right now in Dallas. Just you beat the Eagles. This thing's over. You win, they would be 8-5, and five, and they'd have a two-game lead on Philly and swept them. It'd be over. So, Philly, this is this is the season right here. This is the season. Uh, they, they could still go eight and eight or nine and seven, but da- Dallas wins this game as they should. They're three and a half point favorites. Place should be rocking. Uh, you know, you get a little revenge in the sense that Philly won the Super Bowl. They own the division. Well, this is your comeback right now. Uh, you're you're probably you know locked and loaded for the four seed. Now, if the Bears lose a couple games down the stretch, you, you might be able to get to the three seed, and that does matter because. Actually, being the four seed might be better in the NFC because I would much rather go to L.A. and take my chance against the Rams than go to New Orleans and play Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So th- this is a big game for Dallas just in the sense that you keep the mojo going, though I, I would I would rather be the four seed. Steelers-Raiders, ugh, that's just should be a bloodbath. Ten-point, ten-and-a-half-point line right now, which is crazy for a road team. To me, That you could put that line at about 14 points and I'd still take the Steelers. Uh, I, I think Big Ben, Juju, Antonio, I know James Conner's out, but I, I think they get the, the train back on the tracks and just destroy the Raiders. The Steelers also lead the league in sacks. So, I mean, they, they should annihilate the two young tackles for the Raiders. Lions-Cardinals, what, just a atrocious NFL football game. Why, why would anyone not living in Detroit or Arizona spend one minute watching this game? And then, obviously, the night game, which I talked about earlier. So, you know, decent Sunday slate, pretty excited. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. We do this every week. Go to my DMs, slide up in them, at John Middlecoff. First question. Hey, John, big fan. Tech A&M football fan here. Curious your take on Jimbo Fisher. Do you think he will ever be able to compete with Alabama in the West, or are they simply too dominant in recruiting? Uh, for me, can they compete in the West? For sure. Can they beat Saban as long as... Uh, as long as Nick stays at Alabama, no. But to me, Jimbo's a better coach than Les Miles. He's a better coach than Gus Melzahn. Uh, He's a better coach than whoever's at Arkansas. He's a better coach than both the Mississippi and Ole Miss have. So, yes, I think and the Ed Ogeron one, Ed Ogeron's probably going to consistently have better talent. But I, I think when you look at it, Jimbo's just a better coach. He's won a national championship at Florida State. I, every time I watched him this year, for the most part, beside the Alabama game, they were really competitive. You know, obviously, the seven-overtime game was crazy where they beat uh, LSU. Wow, they shouldn't have won that game. But to me, that speaks to Jimbo. Like, was Jimbo worth $75 million? Uh, but he probably was worth over fifty. You know, and I think at the end of the day, if he can get Texas A&M in the playoffs, and that'll probably have to wait until Saban's gone, <laughs> Uh, But I think whenever Saban does leave, and depending, unless Alabama gets Dabo, which, you know, probably under 50-50 at this point, I think that A&M is a college football power might be strong, but they're definitely on the come. I, I would buy stock. Would it be worth the idea if the Jets end up in the top three to trade back within the top eight and recoup a second or a third, which would be enough ammo to get back in the top of the second with Nola's third. The thinking would be grab a tackle Jonah Williams, or whoever is of the liking, and be in position to grab Nikhil Harry of ASU, because Lord knows the Jets need all the help they can get. I agree. The one thing is the Jets, from going from 6-3 to last year, gave up their second-round pick, obviously, so they don't have that much draft capital. I think the problem is going to be the Niners are going to be ahead of them. The Niners, the Jets... And potentially the Raiders, depending on if they keep or move Carr, which I think right now is 50-50, you can never trust John Gruden. You know he would trade anyone. Going to be some trades potentially at the top of the draft with the Niners or the Jets because both those two teams have quarterbacks. They're desperate to enhance the talent on their roster. Uh, The Niners, in theory, if Jimmy comes back healthy, should be much more equipped you know, to turn it around faster. To me, the Jets are a little more big picture. But anytime you have a quarterback on that rookie contract, you want to take advantage. So spend money, accumulate better draft picks. Yeah, I I don't think that's crazy at all. My my question would be, who are they trading? Like, who's trading up to get who? You know, there aren't, doesn't seem like there are that many big-time quarterbacks in this draft. And that, that, to me, always impacts the trade market. Uh... Over here, we've had a lot of media hype. Oh, this is all the way from London. A lot of media hype on a potential London franchise. I've never bought into it because of the logistical side making no sense to me. Would love to know what the NFL teams, coaches, scouts, players think of it behind the scenes. Surely no one wants it to happen. Well, I I don't know anyone at the league office. Uh, It's pretty clear the league office from a business standpoint is very intrigued. Like that's not even disputable at this point. Uh, My friends in the league, this never comes up because, one, they don't work for the Jaguars. Two, they all just work for teams that, you know, unlike the Jaguars potentially leaving or even the Raiders that always leave, their teams are just set. Uh, I would not personally want to live in London, and I'm with you logistically. I've been a part of, like, the weekly workouts during the season. You bring guys in on Monday and Tuesday when you have to sign players fast. Yeah, logistically, it would just be pretty difficult. Now, I'm a little biased because on the West Coast, it's a lot farther to Europe than it is to the East Coast or England. So, you know, I think the I've never made the flight. I've actually never been to England. I've been to Spain and Italy, but I never made it to the UK. I think a flight right from the East Coast is five hours. So, what if you were bringing out a player from LA? It, It would be difficult, but... I think it's pretty clear that the option's on the table because the Jacksonville Jaguars are a disaster in the sense that they're in a tiny market, their stadium's old, uh, they don't generate much money in terms of just because their, their ceiling of what they can generate in the tiny market is bad. Uh, and I, I think people have gone on the record, I've definitely heard this off the record, that one of Roger Goodell's biggest uh I I would say regrets as commissioner. Now you might think he has a lot, but from a business standpoint is having the Jaguars happen. You know, they should have been in another city. Hell, it probably should have been in LA at the time, but uh, I I guess the NFL had just left LA. That was 96, but it should, it just should have been in a different market. Uh, Would it be worth the, okay, I've already answered that question. Probably don't want to read questions twice. It seems to me that DeFilippo's chances of becoming a head coach next season is slim to none. He has had a few questionable games this year, in my opinion. The only team that will give him a realistic look is the New York Jets. Thoughts? Uh, To me, it's pretty simple. That he was a guy that had been interviewing for head coaching jobs for two years. He is young. He is an offensive guy. And again, I've watched their offense, and I know Belichick got him last week. But who beats Belichick? in New England late in the season. Whenever I've watched them, I thought Kirk Cousins was overachieving. Uh, Their offense was good in terms of passing offense, which is all that matters. I know Zimmer's mad right now they're not running the ball. Well, the offensive line stinks. Uh, And again, John DeFilippo is young. This is only the second year he's ever been an offensive coordinator in the league. Just look at the different candidates out there. I've always said I'm biased. I, I know him. I'm a personal fan of Flip. Uh, And and I think, I wouldn't say he's a lock to be a head coach this year, but again, he's had interviews the last two years. He is a young offensive coach. If the Vikings make the playoffs, which is not guaranteed at this point, I just see under no circumstances how he doesn't at minimum get several interviews. Like several interviews. Uh, I think Arizona would also be in play. So the Jets, Arizona, if they blow it up and fire everyone I think he'd get an interview with the Green Bay Packers. I think he'd get an interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, there, there are only so many. It's not like there are two coaching candidates this year. Jim Harbaugh ain't coming back. Is Mike McCarthy just an old stiff and kind of outdated? John Harbaugh can't coach quarterbacks to save his life. And, hell, he might not get fired because the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. So, I, I think part of it is just he clearly has aspirations to be a head coach. He can coach the quarterback which matters uh, his work with Carson Wentz two years ago speaks for or last year speaks for itself and, and Nick Foles. And uh, again, well, let's just see the way this, I mean, these next four games for the Minnesota Vikings are big, but I, I still think he is, he's a lock to get multiple interviews and then, you know, anything could happen in an interview situation. Would it be the worst idea? God, I, I gotta, I've read that same thing twice because usually I exit out. Okay. Last question here. Uh, Hey, John. Love the podcast. We all do. Question for the mailbag. What do you think about the prospect of Derek Carr going to the Giants during the draft? With the history of Gruden moving on and creating his own team, true, is this out of the question? I say the Giants because they are in desperate need of a quarterback. I think that it makes the most sense. Derek has proven during that MVP year when his offense was explosive. That year they had Latavius Murray, Jalen Rashard, DeAndre Washington, Uh, they had Amari and Crabtree were rolling and Seth Roberts were playing well and they were explosive on offense. Derek has shown some signs this last month of kind of getting his juju back and his mojo back that if you put him in New York, now the pressure of New York's intense. You you know, in Oakland, you fly under the radar. I mean, you're you're not even the big dog in your own city. So that's the Niners. But I've seen Derek have some high highs and I've watched Derek since high school that I know when he has good weapons and just a comfortable environment, he can excel. And you give him Odell Beckham, you give him Saquon Barkley, you give him Sterling Shepard, you give him the tight end, they they are just an explosive offense. I I think he would be fantastic. My only question would be just the intensity of that market, the intensity of being the quarterback for the Giants. I know Eli has been beyond shitty. But he's still, at the end of the day, the one thing that I think every fan in New York, you know, let's just give it, let's be easy on Eli a little bit, the two rings. So there would be an element that Derek, like nothing he did in Oakland means anything to anyone in New York. All they do, they know he's making a lot of money, well over $20 million. He's under contract. To me, it'd just be simple. Like he'd have to play well there. And I do think it would be, a situation that would be conducive to success just because of the offensive weapons they have. And assuming Pat Schirmer likes them, because they wouldn't make the trade if he didn't, uh, if the defense were to improve, I don't don't see why the Giants, with good quarterback play, couldn't be relevant and competitive next year. So I I am probably 60 to 65% leaning that Gruden would be open and willing to trade. Derek, the thing, if you're the Giants, like, you have a top five pick. You're not trading that for Carr. So would the Raiders be willing to take two seconds, you know, this year and next year, second for Carr? I don't know if they'd love to do that unless they are going to take Dwayne Haskins or something with the first overall pick. But I, I would love to see Carr with the Giants. I think that would help resurrect that franchise. And, and they're kind of ready-made on offense to be explosive and to be good. Uh, Well, thanks for listening again enjoy the weekend we got the heisman trophy i think saturday night we got a good slate of games uh solid slate of games sunday and uh i'll see you next week john middle three and out thanks for listening everyone
0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen, and with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want